This is One Ogden. I'm John Miles. Kathy McKittrick has reported on the Ogden area for almost 30 years. She retired from the Standard Examiner in 2017 so she could continue to pursue a story about a Weber County commissioner that led her all the way to the Utah Supreme Court. Now she's a freelance reporter and a board member at the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. Like, what is the first reporting job you ever had? Well, it would have been at the signpost at Weber State. Okay. Um, so that was part of, uh, you got credit for um, being on the staff there. And so I I was basically always a senior reporter and there, and that was, it was really fun. Um, so that's where you learned how to do it, Weber State? Yes. And so were you there specifically for journalism, or did you end up taking that on? As you studied? Uh, journalism evolved um, for me. Um, I uh, started taking a class a semester, like I uh, referred to earlier, and um, I the first class I took um, was in uh, computer graphics, and you have to remember this was back in the 90s, in the late 90s, and computer graphics, you know, it was like, oh, all the rage, sure. you know, so uh, a prerequisite for that class was uh, media writing, and so I took that, and it just lit a fire under me. I took it at night from an adjunct person who was a reporter at the Tribune, and she just was so exciting to listen to. I thought, wow, I, I want to do that. <laughs> so it's like the, the writing things to make them interesting, that kind of stuff is what excited you? Uh, it was all the things she got to do as part of her job. Uh, like she would tell us a lot of uh, her experiences on the job, and it was like, golly, I had no idea. <laughs> and so after school, where was the first uh, paying job you had reporting? That was at the Standard Examiner. So I, I graduated, and then I strung for two years at the Standard and then got hired on full-time. So what did you report on first? Um, let's see. As a stringer, I reported on city councils in Davis County and Weber County. So I, I got to know councils, you know, a, a lot of city councils. And then as a staff reporter, I started out covering Weber County and then shifted over to Ogden City. So I got in on all the uh, fun election stuff, on all the zoning issues, on all the um, well, that was when Mayor Godfrey was mayor of Ogden. And of course, there was tons of controversy to, to cover with that. And so you end up just kind of becoming an expert on Ogden politics. Was that like something you wanted to do? Did you care about Ogden? Did you live in Ogden? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I uh, lived in central Ogden until 98. And then we moved to South Ogden. I grew up in Ohio, uh, Texas and Ohio. So I moved to Utah in the 70s and have been here ever since because it's beautiful. Right. <laughs> uh, you can't beat the climate in the mountains. So, um, you know, I didn't know there was that side to Ogden. Mm, right. um, so it gave me... Um, you know, a, a view into the community that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And it gave me community connections that, you know, I just appreciate so much. Well, and that's, that's what else I was wondering is you have this idea that 
you know, you hear these fun stories about reporting. So you're like, all right, I'm going to go do it. And then you get Ogden City, this kind of what to some people might seem really boring to cover Ogden City. You know what I mean? But so then did it live up to it? Did you feel like you really were getting to, to, to be in all this stuff, you know? Ogden City, you lift the covers and it's like, oh, my gosh, look what's under there. Right. <laughs> and that's what I love about Ogden. It's gritty. You uh-huh. know, there's no doubt about it. It's untamed like the like the brand. Um, it's a little bit renegade at times, you know, so, yeah. uh, and the politics, I, I, something in my upbringing gave me a strong ethical bent. Um, so I kind of used that as a measure in a lot of the political arena. And of course, it's a thing that's very hard to pin down sometimes too. And do you become sort of I don't want to say a player because I know as a journalist, you're trying to stay out of that to a degree. But I mean, also, as council members see that you're the one who's coming and paying attention to this stuff, I imagine they're coming to you with dirt and stuff every once in a while. Does that kind of stuff start happening? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my lips are zipped on a lot. Sure. Um, But I just think that's interesting, you know, that, that you sort of do end up becoming a part of it as much as you try not to. I mean... That's a very good point, and uh, sometimes you just have to take take a, a breath and back off and uh, say, hey, uh, you know, be fair, be accurate. That's all that you have to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so how long did you cover Ogden? How long was that your Let's beat? Let's see. Um, for about three years the first time. So mm-hmm. in 2005, I got hired on at the Tribune. And I worked there until 2013 when I got laid off. And then uh, a month after my layoff, I got hired back on at the Standard. Mm. And I started out as the Weber County reporter, but then I ended up covering a lot of cities and also Ogden at times. So you were that's what you were doing for the Tribune? Uh, no, for the oh, Tribune, oh. I was, man, they had me all over Salt Lake County. Because do, um, they, do they care about Ogden? I feel like, uh, I'm just curious, like if they if they put much into covering up here. You know, they used, I mean, they still do, but they, they don't have the staff anymore, mm-hmm. which, uh, I mean, you go back to the layoffs. I By the time I'd been there, it was my eighth year at the Tribune, and I had seen, I had survived four rounds of layoffs. Uh-huh. Uh, in the fourth one, uh, the, both the publisher and the editor-in-chief stepped down. Uh, and there were, you know, I think over uh, roughly two dozen layoffs wow. at that time. Uh, and I did want to give a little aside here. I, I found a recent article in the Atlantic on Alden Global Capital. Uh-huh. At the time I was laid off, Alden uh a hedge fund, they owned the Tribune. Oh. Uh, and they are still doing what they always did. They they own papers all over the country. And basically, uh, being a hedge fund, they answer to their investors and they get the papers. Um, right. So uh, this uh, October 20, uh, 2021 article uh, talks about how quickly they gutted the Chicago Tribune. They um, they bought it just a few months earlier, and you know it it moved from the Tribune Tower, which was built uh, in 1925, just a an architectural uh, beauty, 
uh, the paper was moved out of there into a place the size of a Chipotle. Uh -huh. um, so, and the staff was shell-shocked and teeny tiny <laughs> and wondering how they got there. Yeah. So. Well, and you had to have seen that a few times where, where in either the Standard or the Tribune, people are coming in, like they, it happens in waves, right? Somebody comes and does it once and then somebody comes and does it again another time. Somebody right. Somebody new buys it and cuts out. Yeah. Have you ever seen somebody buy it and like invest in reporting? Well, Paul Huntsman did that for a while with the Tribune. Yeah. Um, but then I, I don't think it was sustainable. Um, so now the Tribune's a nonprofit, uh, similar to the um, Utah Investigative Journalism Project. Right. What were some of the things that you saw while you were a reporter that you just could not believe people were, I mean, while you were covering Ogden, Weber County, that you couldn't believe people weren't paying attention to? Have you got any, any examples of the kind of stuff you would just bang your head against the wall? Um. Or does that happen as a journalist? Maybe it does. Yeah, it does. And uh, people uh, give you tips on stories. You think it's a great tip. You take it to your editors, and they say, "No, that's yeah. not a story." <laughs> and that can be very frustrating. Um, a lot of stories do get generated through tr through tips. Uh, they can come from meeting agendas. You know, all kinds of things. So you learn to kind of look for. The things that are or, or things that are newsworthy, uh, yeah. whether it uh, would be controversy or novelty uh -huh. uh, or prominence, you know, things like right. that. Right, and I imagine that, you know you'll have one council person saying this is really important that other council person did this thing, and you know, <laughs> you know they've got an agenda, and you're trying to separate out whether it's really newsworthy or if you know they're trying to make it newsworthy. Yes. Yeah, and that takes a lot of digging. Um, and when you're working for a daily newspaper, you don't always have the time to do that kind of digging. Sure. Uh, so uh, I did some of that uh, on uh, during my time at the Standard and the Tribune. Uh -huh. You know, that's where I kind of learned some of those ropes. Uh, so that's been very crucial. Uh, Documents, government documents are just key to a lot of stories, and uh, they're not easy to get quite often. Yeah. Um, some are quite easy to get, and they're just, you know, the uh, the agenda, the budget, you know, right. um, stuff like that. But other things are hard to get your hands on. But so this has become like a regular occurrence in your life where people just approach you and they're like, hey, Kathy, I got this this thing I want you to hunt down for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And after I retired, it was still happening, uh -huh. um, which it was like, oh, that sounds like a story to me, but I have no um, format to publish it on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for a while I uh, floundered and wondered what to do next. Right. So you retired from the standard. And then you started working freelance, right? Well, it took me a year or two to work freelance. I, um, there were a couple of semesters where I taught media writing up at Weber State as an adjunct, which mm -hmm. was, uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> I don't know if my students did, but I learned a lot. <laughs> um, and then I also had to have cataract surgery. So, and then that was during the pandemic and that was all very difficult to schedule. So, but I, I think around the time I started, uh, I became a board member of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. Oh, plus I had a 
Supreme Court case in the works on records. Yeah, um, I want to get into that. But go back, just so so Utah investigative journalism was already around when you retired from the Standard. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. So how long have has that been an organization? You know, Eric um, started that in 2016. Okay. And for a, a few years, he worked two jobs to be able to uh, support uh, that love that he had for investigative journalism. Um, and then uh, it started to coalesce and uh, get funding through... Uh, donations and subscriptions and grants and now it's it's getting quite stable hmm. it's doing well so was that the first time that you were in nonprofit news not-for-profit news when you right. do stuff for them yes hmm. yeah okay so what is first I'm just curious you know once you're out um, doing freelance stuff and people are coming to you with tips and things then are you are you trying to shop those stories around? Like, is that you're kind of taking a tip and running with it and then approaching a newspaper? How does that kind of stuff work? You know, um, and that's quite difficult. I, uh, For one thing, you don't want to step on an existing uh, reporter's beat. Yeah, right. So, uh, and also you want to uh, be able to get a decent wage for what you produce. Uh -huh. um, and not every paper can uh, do much of that. Right. So I, I write for four different publications now. One is the uh, UIJP. Mm -hmm. um, and those are such uh, deep dive stories that I've only done maybe two or three a year. Oh. It's, it's very deep dive. Yeah. Um, and I write for the Utah Political Underground, uh, a weekly, an online weekly that comes out weekly that's what I was going to say <laughs> that's <laughs> redundant so uh and that's really fun that's politics that's where I get to look into legislative issues look into political campaign finance and mm. you know all that fun stuff and I, is that a nonprofit also no that is funded by an individual yeah who uh actually I got to know while I was working for the standard oh yeah he called me one day and said hey I'm thinking of starting this. What do you think? Would you like to write for it? And now I, uh, me and two other reporters who had worked for the Tribune as well, we do the cover stories, basically. Huh. Uh, and so that's really fun. Uh, they call it, uh, uh, they referred to us as the Tribune Light. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> um, jokingly, of course. But, you know, it's fun to be able to rub shoulders with colleagues that you used to rub shoulders with. Yeah. So. Well, and I, yeah, I'm trying to get, like, it seems like the industry is very different now. And, and what it sounds like to me is that now there are these small groups that are invested, whether it's by a person or, or you know, charitable funds or whatever. Uh, that's how we are now funding investigative journalism. And those groups will work with the bigger news outlets, with the newspapers, and sell them stories or collaborate on stories to kind of help fund the thing. But investigative journalism has kind of been cut from the big news outlets and 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 made into these small things that is that right it is to a large extent because uh, the staff uh staff reporters for newspapers for one thing there's not that many of them anymore and uh there's still all the breaking news to cover yeah so they are scrambling and so anything deep dive or even uh, moderate deep dive uh 
quite often has to come from something like Report for America mm-hmm. or ProPublica or yeah. UIJP. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just feel like people probably don't realize that. And I didn't know about UIJP until you told me maybe two or three years ago. But that's the only news outlet that I actually pay for now. And honestly, I, I see it. You know, I see stories by them. But it's not like the times where you would pay to be able to read it. I just pay yeah. to support it. And then I almost, it's it's like once a month I go back to the site, you know, check back through it. So it's just this this model that I think if people knew it, they would change how they're supporting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's half the battle is getting the word out that, hey, we exist. This is what we produce. Uh, we think you're going to like it. <laughs> and so you're on the board of UIJP, Youth yeah. Investigative Journalism Project? Yeah. Well, first, just talk about the mission of it. Like, what is it that you guys are actually trying to do? Is it just to make sure that there's investigative journalism going on? That and also to make it sustainable. Um, so it's been great because from my contacts up here, I've been able to connect uh, community influencers to the project. Um, uh, And we've got some on our advisory board now and they have just, their input has been really valuable. Um, Mm. I was able to connect a photographer who needed work. um, And he, you know, it's been a very beneficial um, connection there. Uh, Other reporters, you know, I've been able to make that connection so well and when it comes to sustainability like you say is the goal i mean are are you looking to find enough individuals to give donations or are you like how is the funding is it oh that's a good question um because you would never survive on individual donations i don't think um but there are plenty of grants Mm. out there for nonprofit journalism. Oh, that's good. And what you have to do is apply, and right. there's a lot of competition. So uh, some of those have worked out, and some of them, you know, you think about, well, is that is it worth it because of the what might be a conflict of interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, they, they would give money to you to report on certain things. And so what is the, what is the process of generating stories there? Do you guys, like, have a meeting, like a writing room kind of thing, or is it you're gaining your stories and bringing them in? How does that work? <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> You're working it out. <laughs> it's a little chaotic. Um, all of us uh, get, uh, we have, let's see, I think eight board members now. And there are times we have board meetings, all, always on Zoom now, which really helps out. Um, yeah. But we have board meetings where we brainstorm story ideas. Um, uh, again, I, you know, it's like all the flashbacks I've ever had in my life that, hey, that's not a story. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Uh, I, I think that's just part of the business is that people differ on what they think is a story. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that is what I'm curious about. Even going back to your time in the standard, like, do you, um, I mean, I guess the big picture question I'm wondering is, do you find that there were a certain type of story that was disallowed from for-profit newsrooms like the standard that is more allowed in a, in a non-profit model or are they really kind of the same is it just down to like an individual editor and what they see like do you really see you know money playing into that that equation um you know it's not that blatant mm-hmm. um and if it was that cut and dried it would be great <laughs> yeah, it'd make it a lot easier for you. yeah um because normally, uh, newspaper 
uh, has uh, normally they've been good at having a firewall between the newsroom and um, the revenue stream. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I have seen times, I mean, there's always a lot of tumult and you're up against forces that, uh, quite honestly, sometimes I scratch my head and think I don't understand it, but that's politics. <laughs> right. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what I expected you to say. I think a lot of times it's easy for people to see that and assume that things are going on that, you know, just may not necessarily be going on. Right. <laughs> I am curious, like um, this new model for journalism and the, you know, the way that the investigative journalism is playing out today. Like, do you think that has potential for being a good model for journalism or is, is there something that we're really missing out on in that? What do you think about about that? I think it has great potential, um, and in part because everyone gets their news um, digitally now. Hardly ever does anyone get a paper paper. Right. Um, you know, the old system uh, doesn't work anymore in terms of revenues. So this way, you can have a much more collaborative um, effort. Like UIJP is collaborative where they... Uh, when they have a story ready to print, they shop it around to uh, papers that would be interested, uh, you know, in, in right. the location that the story deals with. And um, that uh, those outlets, uh, whoever well, gets dibs on it, um, get to publish it for free. So it's mm -hmm. at no cost to them. And then when they, after they publish it, it, it can be republished elsewhere, but it comes back on our website and, and lives there in perpetuity. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. And so that does seem like, I mean, if you guys are talking about sustainability, like it does seem like you're able to achieve that? I think as as a whole, the nonprofit news industry is not there yet. Yeah. Um, and in part because people are not used to being in the habit of donating regularly to get their news. Yeah. So, yeah, right. It's the it's like the public radio model. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, the the paradigm has to shift. Yeah. Right. People need to sort of start taking a little bit of ownership in that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and to that point, people can make monthly donations to UIJP, right? Yes. In fact, right now, uh, through the rest of December, we're in uh, this seasons of giving thing where... Oh. Um, donations are matched up to a certain level. And if someone signs up, say, for $10 a month, uh, that would be 120 a year, and they would match a year of oh. those donations. So that's... Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that is it UIJP.org? Is that right? No, it's no. UtahInvestigative.org. Yeah. UtahInvestigative.org. Set up donations there. Okay. So the Carrie Gibson thing, you... As far as I can tell, this is like the first time that you've really kind of become part of the story. And I'm just curious about how it all played out. And so is it that you were reporting on something and then couldn't get information you needed? What what was the, the genesis of the Kerry Gibson Supreme Court case? Well, uh, it started with tips. I was getting tips while I was still county reporter. And they, they were pretty salacious. And I... Uh, wanted to really look into those. <laughs> and so this stretched on for a couple of months. 
And then all of a sudden I found that I was taken off the beat. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yes, that was interesting. And, and let me just, because uh, he was a county commissioner, mm -hmm. and but he was... Was he already involved in a in in a race for something else? He had kind of higher aspirations. Yes, and, and well, so he was already. Yeah, everyone. It was kind of an open secret that he was going to run for the uh, for Rob Bishop's seat. Right. Yeah. And so he was in the middle of that when all of this started coming back on you. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so then you get taken off the beat. So what happened after that? Um. Then I tried to scratch my way back in. <laughs> I um, kept trying to file grandma requests for information. And I was told by an editor that, hey, we've got reporters doing that already. Don't duplicate efforts. I just do this other beat that we've put you on. Mm. And this is the um, standard, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, and, and I loved the new beat. Uh, I'm, I'm. I've been taken off beats before, and it's sometimes been so refreshing, <laughs> sure. you know, <laughs> but I was in the middle of this this thing that I thought was really electric, you yeah. know, so I wasn't going to let go of it. Well, and like the um, new reporters not taking those notes and running with them and stuff, right? They did not have the connections or the background, right, the right. institutional knowledge, yeah. and it was frustrating, but of course, reporters go into those situations all the time where they're put on a beat and they got to make those connections pretty quick. And anyway, things um, kind of came to a head and that was part of the reason I retired. The other reason was that I could retire. Uh -huh. I was of retirement age. So Which you may not have if, uh, if you were still in the middle of that story. Well, I, uh, they wouldn't allow me to do grammar requests and the investigation had closed. And I wanted to grandma for the contents of the investigation. I was no longer on the beat. Mm -hmm. And I thought the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to retire. Oh, yeah. I mean, an individual can file a grandma, no? Yes. Yeah. Which but is you, what I as did. A, as a reporter. Well, I wasn't on the beat and I had been told by editors to leave oh. it alone. So because of repercussions you'd get from the standard, you'd have to retire to do it. Is yes. What you mean. Gotcha. Yeah. I see. Right. Yeah. I mean, they... Uh, I would have had to um, ignore their uh, very adamant demand that I leave it alone uh -huh. and let other reporters handle it. Right. And what I could kind of see coming, it wasn't so much that I smelled blood in the water, you know, but it was that if you ignore... Um, uh, if you allow, a, you know, an elected official to... Uh, use that um, basis of being uh, his constitutional, his or her constitutional right to privacy mm -hmm. as a reason not to release records that should be public. Right. Um, then really you have gutted the grandma law. And right. I thought, wow, I, you know, I'm, I'm scared that's going to happen. Yeah. So, um, so I decided to... Uh, filed the grandma after I retired. and um, Did you feel like you had a sense of what would happen or was it just like, we're going we're gonna to do this and see what happens? Um, I still had people calling me about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I still felt motivated, you know, not to let it go, not to 
it, it, you know, it would wake me up at 3 a.m. So know? you're still just thinking about the story. You're just like, these people need this story out. This is an important thing. I just got to well, get it out. And, and the standard had actually written a lot of stories about what allegedly was in the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that I, for me, that wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, you know, it was the principle of the thing, for one thing, and it was the grandma law at risk yeah. in a big way. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, after, after I won my appeal at Ogden City to get the records, and then uh, Carrie Gibson took it to Second District Court to deny release of the records, um, that's when um, my pro bono attorney said, hey, we'd like to represent you in this. Oh. And uh, even the second district court went against us. So they looked at it and they said, I, we think we'd like to take this to the Supreme Court. It's an important principle here. Wow. So, so that's what they did. Right, because you probably just thought it was going to you know, go through the courts and then you'd get the records eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and quite frankly, we don't have all the records still. We've got a 51-page report but we asked for all the contents and findings of the investigation, which would be all the notes. I mean, the investigation went on for months. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot more, and we've tried to get those. Uh, but so, okay, so, I mean, your, your, your case was successful, right, in the Supreme Court? Yes. Yeah, we won that case. And so, I mean, just first, tell me a little bit about just, I mean... Did you ever see, did you go down to the Supreme Court and, you know? That was during the pandemic. Oh. Um, so, no. It drug on for a couple of years. Right. Uh, just going through the system. And the Supreme Court could have said, no, we we won't take up your case. But they, you know, thankfully they did. Did you get much blowback having your name attached to the case? I mean, it was... A little bit, but nothing that I haven't had before, you mm. know, so... After a while, for reporters, like a badge of honor. We <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> and so so you have these lawyers take the case pro bono, argue it to the Supreme Court with you, and then you're successful, but you still haven't been able to get the records? We got, uh, they released the, um, the findings, the report, um, but we don't have the contents. Oh, yeah. 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 So. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to add, uh, going back to my retirement, uh, it, uh, just days before I retired, we learned that the company had been sold, that the standard had been sold. Oh. So uh, that, uh, you know, it was quite the shock through the entire newsroom, but quite a revelation to me, too. <laughs> um, so that was another reason I was grateful to retire, because that's really hard to go through when a newsroom changes hands and uh, you see um, a lot of institutional knowledge get shipped out the door and, you know, it's, it's just hard. Right. Well, and, and maybe you don't want to say, but did you have a, a sense of who Carrie Gibson had influence with? And like, was that influence sort of gone once the new ownership came in? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's all you got to say. <laughs> 
let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about, you know, do you think certain stories should get more coverage and they don't? Mm, uh, yeah. Can you think of things like where you were certain it should be a news story, but it never got coverage? Well, I come at it from a little bit different angle in that I feel like there is a ton of stuff that does not get talked about in Ogden and we're really bad at informing Ogden about Ogden. I feel like I have to kind of go in and watch the city council meeting or at least watch the highlight reel that they put out of the city council meeting mm -hmm. to really get a lot about what's going on in the city council meeting. And like, that's not necessarily Utah investigative's job. It's not really an investigative journalism thing. It's just somebody should be telling us a little more about that aside from the city council releases their wonder block thing and kind of touts it. And that's what we get in the paper. Yeah. And that boy, going to those meetings and coming through the background documents is really time consuming, uh, as right. you know. Um, and I know the demands on the current reporters, uh, I think it's, it can be one to two stories a day yeah. consistently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just cranking them out. Right. Uh, and I think they're doing a really commendable job because uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're covering a lot of diverse issues, I think, and um, uh, doing the best they can. Really. Well, that's what I was, I used to, and I think it's easy to criticize the standard for missing a lot of stuff. And like, sure, we all wish that more money was going into news. I mean, I think a lot of us do, but we don't put the money into the news. I don't support the standard, you know. Uh, so, so I think it's better to say we need to supplement that. We need to be doing what we can, however, like, like Utah Investigative, to, you know, generate it for them because they're not investing in it. So it is almost just that we need more. The information is available to us, but it's not being made digestible. Right. Uh, I think you have seen what it takes to make it digestible. I mean, you, you have a feel for those meetings. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and that's the advantage of the internet to the all the online stuff is that you can get the documentation, the background online. Uh, you can even zoom in on the meetings if you want. Uh, so you can do it from your home. Right. And it used to be that you had to be there physically. And, you know, 20 years ago, you got a packet of documents that were that was the agenda and background information for that meeting. Right. So. And now you don't get that now. No, you, it's online and you can print it out if you want, which sometimes I do, but uh, yeah, too much paper. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, well this has you. been fun. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it.